0: Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company.
1: This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Over the years, some of the most storied environmental groups change course to not only protect the environment, but also embrace a much broader range of social justice causes. But some longtime advocates in those organizations fear that embracing progressive causes is actually pushing them away from their original message, protecting the environment and addressing climate change. And they also fear that this shift could have a major political cost, since Republicans aren't big on progressive policies and could retake the House, Senate, or presidency in the next couple of years. So today, I chat with Politico's Zach Coleman about why green groups have embraced the broader progressive agenda and the challenges they face now. It's Wednesday, June 22nd. Zach, so in your story, you take a deep look at how major environmental groups like the Sierra Club have really changed their approach in the last several years. So what's been the big shift?
0: The buzzword here is intersectionality. It's the idea that all these different social causes, life causes, these issues that people care about all relate to each other and connect. And that is especially true of climate change and the environment where you've seen a lot of groups push into the space of racial justice, of public health, of gender justice and immigration, They're saying, if we're going to address all these causes, we really need to focus them under the environmental banner as well. And that has led to some different policy positions, some advocacy in areas that a lot of hardcore old school environmentalists wouldn't have thought were environmental in nature, but people are starting to realize are. But at the same time, this has also brought charges of mission creep or mission drift to these organizations people asking, why do you need to add competencies on immigration or racial justice? Why not just partner with groups that already do that? And I think that was one of the questions animating this reporting.
1: Right. And so what's prompted this broadening of the green movement's focus beyond climate change and making these connections you've talked about? So you report the failed 2010 cap and trade bill as being a particular turning point, right?
0: Right. And I think that there's two things here. One is people who work for environmental groups are probably broadly liberal and identify with liberal causes and positions. But on the second point, it's really a strategic shift. Environmental groups saw that their inside-the-beltway strategy on pushing cap-and-trade in 2010 didn't work. It was a Republican idea, cap-and-trade, and they thought playing a centrist game was going to get them just the number of votes that they needed to get it. They didn't get it. So there were a lot of introspection and analyses after that failure. And what a lot of people identified was the problem was they didn't have a grassroots army behind them. So they wanted to go tap into that energy. And one of the ways they decided to do that was to align themselves with more progressive causes, to become more a part of that progressive energy, to basically lay waste to the centrist, nonpartisan veneer that they had been holding on to. I think what you're seeing here is there's a big question of have they actually widened the base for climate policy or have they actually deepened it? And widening is great, but if you don't have the depth of that commitment, then it's hard to see how you're going to translate these thorny policy debates into actual policy.
1: Yeah, getting into some of those questions you raised. Now, some of these groups are reckoning with their move to stretch their focus into other progressive causes. So what are some of those issues and what's the effect been inside the environmental groups?
0: Well, I think COVID really shined a light on how a lot of environmental and racial justice, gender justice and social justice issues are intertwined. And I think even before then, with George Floyd's murder by a Minnesota police officer, you know, you really saw a lot of outpouring of fighting for racial justice. And a lot of environmental groups who had been taking steps in this direction really went full bore, saying, look, we see so clearly how intertwined racial justice and climate justice are. And I think that's what you've seen happening in the last few months. You've seen a lot of groups aligning with progressive causes. But They've also, at the same time, brought in people from other disciplines who maybe weren't climate activists at first, but had worked in all these other advocacy areas. And they have come under these environmental groups that are still led predominantly by older, whiter people and said, hey, you guys, Like, I get that you try to get this energy and you're trying to stand up for these values, but you're still not doing it very well. And that's caused a lot of internal dissension that's kind of gummed up the works at these organizations that are really wondering, who are we? What are we supposed to accomplish? How are we trying to make the world the better place that we want it to be? And how do we get there?
1: Right. And so given these environmental groups have moved away from pushing bipartisan, more narrow solutions and are looking at the breadth of progressive causes, do they feel equipped to continue their fight if Republicans take back the House, Senate, or the presidency.
0: So when I was reporting this piece, one thing that I asked so many of the people I've talked to is, are these the two paths? Is one path to convince Republicans that they should embrace policy at the speed and scale at which climate science demands, and the other path simply to turn out millions of latent Democratic voters in places like the Deep South and the Heartland, to beat back voter suppression laws, to make Puerto Rico and D.C. states to end the filibuster. And most often people said, yeah, no, those are the two options here. And we tried bipartisanship. It didn't work. That's what we'd been trying for 40 years of the environmental movement. So let's give this other thing a try. The thing is, they're both so difficult and they seem almost impossible. But I really don't know what is more possible. Is it convincing enough Republicans to understand the science here. I mean, even the IPCC says you got to get to net zero by 2050 to avoid the worst portions of climate change. And the Republican Party refuses to put a target on their climate goals. So one has to say, all right, well, maybe convincing Republicans about the scale and speed isn't the likeliest option. But man, that other path seems hard. But that is the path that the environmental movement writ large is trying right now. Also, on Tuesday, the U.S.
1: Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit heard arguments from Delaware in the city of Hoboken, New Jersey about whether climate change lawsuits belong in federal or state courts. Their lawsuit is similar to about two dozen other lawsuits filed around the country in recent years. Delaware and Hoboken separately sued various oil and gas producers, alleging that those companies violated state law due to deceptive conduct tied to the sales of fossil fuel products. For context, based on how these climate change cases have been ruled by appellate courts, if the Third Circuit were to rule differently, it would create a clear circuit split that would increase the odds of Supreme Court intervention. That may actually happen since Exxon Mobil and Suncor recently asked the High Court to review the Tenth Circuit's ruling in a similar case brought by several Colorado localities. A decision by the High Court on whether to take that appeal likely will not come until fall of 2023. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com morningenergy Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow.
0: Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogenfuel.